0: this 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 show is brought to you by safety fm what's up peeps welcome back to rebranding safety this week we are straight into our new structure at rebranding safety with an outstanding interview from the one and only rosa carrillo let's jump into the intro and then we'll get straight into it
1: the problem in safety isn't deviation, it's
0: complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish?
1: Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable.
0: The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding Safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. What's up, Pete? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. So if you're new here, hit the subscribe button, like button, whatever button it is on whatever platform you are listening and or watching us on because they all do crazy stuff on the algorithm and it all helps get my ugly mug into other people's face holes. So here we go. We're into our new structure. The first week of the month which means we have an interview next week there'll be a reflection episode from me and then there'll be just a random episode from me and then we'll have our quarterly co-host which this quarter is Laura Orcott and we are interviewing CEOs to talk about what they want from safety and I'm really excited about that I think it's going to be absolutely outstanding so before we get into it, just a quick word from some of the stuff that we're doing at Rebranding Safety and some other projects I'm involved in that hopefully will help you out. Firstly, if you want to help us out, then go buy yourself some merch. We have got some sponsorships coming up, some proper sponsorships, which I think are really, really going to help you in your career um, if you're looking in that kind of space. But I don't want to say too much yet. Um, about a month's time, we'll be smashing out this advert um, from our up and coming sponsor, which I'm really, really, really excited to tell you about. But it's too soon, it's too soon. Control yourself, James, control yourself. So go to our website, safety on there. You can do all manner of things. You can buy yourself some merch. You could even donate if you're that way inclined. Um, but yeah, go and have a look there. If you wanna work with us, you can have a look at all the stuff on their keynotes. Um, you can have a look at getting yourself a branded video. If you want a video, maybe for your event or your product, you can let us know and we'll do that for you. 100%. We're still looking for a couple of sponsors for the podcast as well. So we're trying to build about three sponsors for the podcast tops and then we're going to nip it in the bud. We don't want to become, you know, Joe Rogan and having 20 minutes of, of adverts before we get started. So we'll let a maximum of three. Um, and that's what we'll, we'll nip it in the bud. And just one last word from me. Um, please go check out www.projectmeletium.com Meletium is spelled M-O-L-L-I-T-I-A-M. So that's what is project militium well it's a mastermind community essentially for safety health and risk professionals so if you are looking to drive your development up the wazoo then this is the place for you go check it out and if you want to try it out before you buy it then let me know and I'll get you a free session so I'm one of the co-founders along with Colin Nottage over on the interest in health and safety podcast please go and check that out we would love to have you on board join our community join our calls join our sessions um, and I'm guaranteed you will learn something and it will make you stand out from everyone else in the crowd trust me It will. Okay, so this week we are talking to the one and only Rosa Carrillo. Oh, outstanding conversation. We're talking about soft skills or power skills or relationship skills or influencing skills. Whatever we decide we want to call them, that's what we're talking about. Are they more important? Are they not? What are they? But the question we're actually going to ask is, do we actually want them? We talk a lot about them, but do we actually want them? Let's find out my conversation, the one and only Rosa Carrillo. Let's go. And Rosa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Well,
1: oh, thank you for having me, James. Oh, and been looking right. forward to this conversation.
0: Oh, I pay everyone to say that. <laughs> um, for, for, they, they may, to our surprise, Rosa, be someone that actually doesn't know who you are in this world. They've probably been living in a cave, but... Uh, Do you want to give a little uh, introduction as to who Rosa actually is and what you do and and so on?
1: Well, sure. Uh, My name is Rosa Antonia Carrillo, and I always use my middle name because on Facebook, there's over 500 Rosa Carrillos, and there's three Rosa Antonia Carrillos. (laughs) Very popular name. That's what happens in the Latin culture. We all have the same name. What the heck?
0: Yeah. And you say it so beautifully. How you you said your name then was beautiful. Um, And what what do you do, Roy? I'm not going to try and say your full name because I will definitely get it Um, wrong.
1: You don't need to. I was just going to say that, um, you know, in in terms of identity, because some of the things we're going to be talking about today uh, are very, your identity is very relevant because it's hard to be authentic and be yourself Mm. if you haven't if you don't feel that you belong and my name when I see it uh, I say to myself oh good there's 500 of us <laughs> 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 my, my mother has the opposite because she says oh I don't want to be a career because there's too many thousands of them
0: oh, wow, <laughs> isn't that's that funny
1: you know an in individual she wants to have a more individual mm-hmm. identity and I find safety in numbers
0: that is I, interesting
1: yeah so what do i do that's probably more relevant but um <laughs> i have a consulting practice uh, and um, i'm sole practitioner located in long beach california which is about uh, 35 miles south of los angeles nice. uh, and i've been working in the health and safety arena since 1989 as a consultant Uh, I began with um, the famous incentives, selling incentives for safety. In Mm. fact, one of my uh, customers, Exxon, they got to the point where they were raffling off trucks, I mean, really expensive trucks, to anybody who didn't have a recordable that year. Sadly, the person who won the truck the last time was someone who was known to be very unsafe. He just hadn't had any accidents or reported any accidents so that's when a little light went off in my head oh you know this isn't this this isn't working this isn't the way it's supposed to work Uh and so this is way back in 89 okay Wow. so I went uh, to school and I got my master's in organizational development which is where I first learned about systems and cultures Uh I mean my I kept having like these lights go off all of the time about why things weren't working. I mean, it, it, you know, in culture, there was this big diagram and it says do not focus on the individual because you can't change a culture by focusing on the individual. You have to focus on the whole, uh, the group norms and the whole system. Like if you're rewarding uh, profit or speed, then it doesn't matter how much you're saying safety is important. So this was, again, I wrote an article about that in 1996 as I gathered all of my insights because I realized that organizational development uh, really had a lot to offer to the people in the safety field. And so I've been writing about that ever since uh, 1996 when I started with the systems and culture, Uh, And uh, more recently moving along because I've changed as I've grown, I've changed. So I uh, now and I because I wrote a lot on safety culture because Ed Schein was uh, he's my mentor and he's the one that was helping me with my thesis when I got my master's degree because he said there was no such thing as safety culture. But I thought I knew better. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all. In fact, uh, I started a business with my ex-husband at the time called Culture Change Consultants, just Mm. to add, you know, (laughs) to the mix there. Well, actually, it was a very successful business doing a lot of safety culture assessments, which I can't complain about because when you do safety culture assessments, you are interviewing individuals and doing focus groups and talking to managers. And I'm telling you, if you do that for 10, 12 solid years, you don't even need to do culture assessments anymore. You walk into the facility and you can pretty much tell oh. what's going on. And uh, But of course, you wouldn't make any money that way. <laughs> which I can attest to since I gave up doing culture assessments uh, because people just really need those numbers. They... Uh, to, I guess, because everybody's always asking, how are you measuring your success? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I moved from, I started writing a lot of articles about safety culture, that it really didn't exist, that it was more like a junk drawer where managers threw things into when they didn't know what to do with them, oh, it's the culture. Like, who really understands how to change a culture? I mean, I wrote several articles on it. And as I go back and read them, I laugh uh, because they're so linear. You know, it's like change management, right? First, you set your vision Mm. and then you assess where you are. And then you have to cross this bridge, you know, step by step. Uh, And, of course, 70 or more percent of these efforts fail uh, because they don't take into account uh, the the, really the significance of leadership, we pay lip service to it, but we don't really understand the, the, the whole dynamic that they play in that. And that the people who are their followers, in fact, play a key role in the way they talk to each other in the way they treat each other in the development of the culture, which is recreating itself every day in the way you and I interact. We are creating and adding to, or we could be changing the culture of podcast interviews, right? Um, But it it all depends on our interaction. And then somebody else has to watch and say, oh, wow, you know, uh, James did that new thing and it seems to, uh, I really liked it. And then they start doing it. Mm. And then the next person starts doing it. See, so that's, that's how culture changes. That's how it changes. And that's why we're not successful most of the time. Because we don't really work at that level. We don't have patience. We don't build the relationships so that I can trust you enough to try something new. It doesn't come out of the blue. It doesn't come out because I commanded it. It comes about because you and I have a relationship and an understanding about what's important and where we want to go. Mm. So that's where I am now. Uh, That's why I wrote my book, Relationship Factor and Safety Performance.
0: What a little introduction that is. Firstly, to have a mentor of Ed Shein is like, could you have had a bigger mentor? Like, Jesus Christ, that's a huge um, guy to have as a mentor. Wow. It's like a claim to fame. That's like turning around saying, you know, I was taught to act by, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an amazing actor now, but like, who's, who's like the most iconic actor? Tom Hanks. Or something like that. Like he's a massive mentor. That must have been a, a good experience in its own oh, it right. It
1: has been. It has been because when I was writing my book, I would send him drafts, and, and he yeah. would say, "Oh, this is terrible." You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to earn his, uh, <laughs> which I say, a compliment from him. Yeah. Uh, but at the end, when he read the book, he said, "Oh my God, this is so great. Everybody needs to read it." That. That oh works wow! In safety
0: and in leadership, because it's really about leadership. It's not about safety. Yeah, definitely. I, I like, <laughs> that kind of actually brings me on <clears throat> on on the summit. And we're going to talk about soft skills, but there there is something I want to. I just want to quickly ask you before we get into that. Like I I've kind of been sitting. What I'm thinking about all of this safety stuff and all of these like approaches to safety if you want to call them that and, and so on and so forth. And I've been in safety for like 10 years. Um look at all the safety science and, and all this like innovations that we've had over the years, uh, technology and a lot. And I sit there and I think and I keep coming back to something that you just said which which like building relationships and and the leadership. So for me, I feel like actually the biggest game changer that we've seen in Getting good safety, if you want to call it that, is Amy Edmondson's work around psychological safety. To me, that seems like the biggest game changer, the, the kind of maybe the missing ingredient. I'd be interested to see what your opinion is on that, whether I'm way off base or what you think.
1: Her research had a big impact on me when I read it, and it is part of my book,
0: Yeah,
1: her research. In fact, I validated it with my own little mini study, and it's in my book, too. By the way, Adrienne Kelby, who is the person that let me interview her staff, is going to be on uh, my podcast, The Safety View, on April 1st. She's a phenomenal leader who has been practicing um, leadership conversations without ever being taught how to do them. Yeah. And that's the thing about good leaders. Nobody tells them build relationships. Nobody tells them, you know, make sure you, you talk to people and, you know, often and, and really find out what's going on with them. No, uh, they just do it because they just do it's it, natural. Yeah. And then people look like me, meet them, and we write it up
0: in a book
1: hoping that some young manager will read it or some young safety professional will read it and say, oh my God, I should try this because that's what happened to me when I was a new manager. I would, believe it or not, my first book was um, the One Minute Manager. That was the one that transformed the way I worked with people. So everybody has their, um, if if you're not born with it or raised with it, you have to then learn it, right?
0: Mm. do you think that's like um do you think that like like you're kind of alluding to there, like some people are naturally quite good leaders aren't they like like you know that to your point they don't have to be told go and build relationships go and talk to your people and so on and so forth they just naturally do it do do you think there are good leaders out there that are kind of uh drowned by the way we work like they kind of they, they become not very good leaders because they're kind of forced to manage in the way that society maybe manages a lot. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you think there's, like, no, do, do, leaders because, out there? Um,
1: well, I've seen it particularly with uh, safety professionals, which are, they're kind of in the same boat as managers, except they don't have, you know, direct authority. But you are constantly being told to speak up mm. and to assert yourself. And then when you do, uh, you get pushed back, uh, you get ignored, and you get burned out. Finally say, you know, one day you just finally say, I'm tired, tired of trying to figure out how to pass on this information in a way that people will listen. Mm. I give up. So that 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 that's very real and it can happen. Other uh, leaders that I've seen, and this is particularly—I'm talking about the supervisor, team lead, leader level that I've worked with a lot—they just go about minding their own business, regardless of what else is going on or what other demands, mm. what what's being demanded from them. They uh, they serve more as a buffer between, uh, you know, the corporate demands and the reality yeah they view themselves as a buffer Mm.
0: Uh, and
1: many times they're seen that way by the employees
0: yeah it's kind of like Mm -hmm. the, the the kind of protecting like in a way in my experience sometimes you see that team leader it's a person that protects you from those senior leadership which gives you a really good insight into the culture of some of the companies i've worked for in the past um but yeah you do that They're like, especially the kind of like really middle management. Like, I, I look at them a lot of the time and I think, God, you really have the hardest role sometimes in some of these companies that connection between management and, well, reality, really, isn't it? Like, those connecting conduits, which seem really, I don't know, weak, maybe like they're really weak links. And it's through one person. I feel like they get of like a, a kind of rock and a hard place really aren't they kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place
1: they are they are and they're they're extremely busy mm. i mean burnout is usually the um, the top complaint i did a, a virtual presentation at uh, for a company last week and we had a list of stressors and number one was burnout
0: mm.
1: burnout So, and of course, you know, we're saying, oh, well, we have COVID and, you know, all of that, but I bet you it comes out at the top. Yeah. Even during normal times. That's what I've seen. Actually, the 2019 report from the International Labor Union said that 76% of the employees reported
0: stress as
1: the biggest threat to their well-being.
0: Mm. Wow. Right, let's. Uh, I could. Oh, this is really hard. I hate it when this happens. When they get someone on, then their introduction makes me really intrigued, and we end up going down a route where we've not planned to go kind of talk. And I'm like, I feel really conflicted now. Like I want to talk about, but I feel like we're we'll, we're probably going to come on to, back onto leadership when we yes, talk we about are, these soft skills, aren't we?
1: The path of well-being uh, always comes back to relationship.
0: Exactly. Because yeah, that's
1: the number one. Thing. They're so
0: interconnected, aren't they?
1: Yeah, we need uh member Maslow's hierarchy. You need food and shelter, otherwise you can't think. And you need uh, to belong. You need a sense of relationship mm. in order to uh, learn and go on. Th- those three are, are equal. Mm. And F- no, that's right. the big change on Maslow's hierarchy because he had it uh, <clears throat> higher. He had belonging uh, after a, a sense of security, but actually your sense of security primarily comes from your relationships
0: it's interesting you use the word belonging i interviewed a guy i think his name was Devin halliday in america ages ago absolutely ages ago and we ended up connecting over linkedin because he wrote a book called the belonging factor
1: mm-hmm. oh that- interesting i should look that up
0: yeah, it's, it's, we've still published the podcast. You can have a listen to that. And I think oh, there's a link to that on the book. But the book is called The Belonging Factor, I think. And his whole book is about, or his whole ethos, is about creating a culture where people feel they belong. And if you get that first, uh, and you, you get that all the way from, you know, the cleaners to the board and the engineers to the to the delivery drivers, you know, it's that whole holistic sense of belonging to that company. Um then then you'll nail it but and i think that's really interesting that, that you use the same word belonging which i thought was interesting
1: oh well, it, it's very popular now isn't it inclusion and belonging
0: mm, Definitely,
1: because when you have diversity uh, people come in but if they're not included then they don't feel they belong and you've wasted a lot of time and energy getting these different people in their different minds
0: yeah there's, a, there's yeah. a lady in the uk called Anna Keen now she might have stole yes, it I
1: know her yes. yeah great conversations yes. I'm sure you
0: have she's she's as well known as you are Rosa but she I don't know whether she stole this from somebody else or whether it was her coined phrase but she she said something that really stuck in my mind um you can buy diversity but you have to earn inclusion and That's I thought wow. Difference. That's a yeah. great line. Now I've got a funny thing. She might have nicked that off someone else, but it's very, not that Anna can't come up with anything that profound. I'm sure she could, but it does sound very profound. So I'm not sure. I'll, I'll ask her. Did you come up with it? Right. I
1: like, I like that a lot. It reminds me of the old saying that uh, you can force a person to read a book, but you cannot force them to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one as well.
1: And it, it's the same thing. You know, you can force uh recruitment and, the bringing in of people of diverse backgrounds, Mm. but you can't force inclusion Mm. that comes from within. And that's a place that few uh, managers dare to tread. Mm. Especially, I don't know how it is in the UK, but in the US, there's a real division between work and personal life. Yeah, I work. I don't want to get into your personal feeling, life,
0: etc. I think I think we struggle the same over here with with this. and you know what? I think you can actually see a physical manifestation of that divide, that struggle on LinkedIn. Um, when you see people go, that post is a Facebook post, it's not a LinkedIn post. Uh, I don't want to know about your children and your dog walks on LinkedIn. This is a business, this is a business platform. And and actually I commented, we were having, I was having this discussion on a chat uh, on LinkedIn the other day. And, um, and my comment was, you know, you need to realize that personal life and professional life are one and the same. They are life. And when you realize they are interconnected, then there is no clear definition line Um then you, you're probably going to have a better life and a better business and so on and so forth. And we might actually start then to address mental health issues, the mental health crisis that we've got. And that, you know, whilst maybe you, you won't have control over what is impacting my mental, my mental health at home, you could stop contributing to it by creating a nicer workplace and actually helping me and building relationships with me and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I think you can see a physical manifestation of exactly what you just said on LinkedIn in my opinion.
1: No, you're right. Uh, well, it has to show up everywhere, James. Yeah. Yeah. When it's the culture of the country or, you know, the culture of a profession. Yeah. Because the safety profession comes from an engineering background. Mm-hmm. So there you have a certain mindset um, about what's valid and what's not valid.
0: Which you you should be a radio host because that's a lovely link into our topic of what we're actually trying to discuss because that was that was a beautiful little segue you did there rosa as if it was prepared um but so so the whole kind of ethos of what we wanted to touch on today was actually do we talk about soft skills all the time you know the amount of webinars keynotes discussion yeah,
1: everywhere
0: yeah. It's, yeah it's like it's like a bad virus <laughs> it's making its way around the world it's a good virus it's a good virus it's making its way around the world and it really has taken the world by storm which is a good thing um and i think the safety profession maybe more than most discussed this heavily and that i think there's a bit of a battle going on in that w- should they be equal those technical skills and those soft skills or is one more important than the other and so on and you kind of said there you know we're we're traditionally from an engineering based background so that attracts a certain type of person so we're going to talk about does does the safe we talk about safe soft skills a lot but does the safety professional profession actually want these soft skills which i think is a great question but before we get into that, could you do us a favor and just introduce what you think those kind of soft skills are? Maybe we'll have a little conversation about that, and then we'll segue into the: the Do we actually want them?
1: Well, the first thing is and you've probably seen this on LinkedIn too. There's a big movement movement to stop calling them soft skills. Mm. There's nothing soft about them. Yeah. The for a, a great example is that as a manager or safety professional, you do from time to time have to deliver hard messages. So it's not gonna be your soft skills. It's not, some people call them non-technical skills. I would like to call them relational skills. And I know there's, there's relational leadership is an official term. And then there's social leadership, which is another official term. So these could be social skills or relational skills or relationship skills, building skills.
0: I heard, um, there's a lady I'm on, I'm on the Irish Future Leaders Steering Group and there's a lady on there called Hayley and she calls them power skills.
1: There you go. Which
0: I quite like actually, I really like that.
1: Influencing skills as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Power skills i think power I, I, I have a negative reaction to that uh because it the word power kind of insinuates that you're going to be on top somehow you're on top yeah like power over deal?
0: someone yeah, yeah power yeah.
1: over someone thank you yeah, that's a good um, uh, when it's really in a collaborative you're actually uh connecting as equals in this conversation regardless of your position in the company yeah. so um you know, CEOs, uh, some of them are famous for the way they greet the custodian, you know, when, in who's cleaning the floor in the hallway. Mm. Uh, they treat them as an equal in those circumstances. And then when you're in your official role or capacity, that's, that's a different
0: story. Yeah. So what, what, uh, if we were to try and create a little list of them, because I'm, I mean, I've, I've done some some kind of presentations and little training mm-hmm. sessions and workshops and you know, I think you could go on Google and you could Google soft skills, whatever, you know, if, if you wanted to call it. Yeah, that. Yeah, you could. I mean, and
1: yeah, a lot of people use that. Mm-hmm.
0: And and you get a different list on every website. Like they just, mm-hmm. this, there's, 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 there's some similar ones or common recurrence, re- reoccurring ones. But mm-hmm. there's sometimes like, conflict resolution i think is an interesting one um like that comes up every now and then conflict resolution and i think i was in a conversation with somebody the other day that said they actually think conflict resolution is one of the most important ones for a safety professional um so interested in your points on that but also what are the other kind of key ones like could you put a label on like you know being able to build relationships and so on like what what like, kind of bullet point them out if that makes sense
1: let me react to conflict resolution talk yeah. about something that's not a soft skill
0: not a soft skill <laughs>
1: not a soft skill yeah. it's, a, um, it's an outcome it's an outcome of the soft skills of the non-technical skills okay the non-technical yeah. skills are the, the most important one and we don't we wouldn't have to go beyond this one in order to change all of our relationships and our outcomes, listening. Mm. It takes a lot of discipline to listen and, not, and, and stop the mind chatter while you're listening. Stop the judgment and truly try to understand. And then the other one would be empathy. Because as you're listening, you put yourself in that person's shoes for the sake of understanding. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with them in the end. It just means that you're going to leave the person feeling that you really care about them, that you listened. And many times, you don't have to do anything else. We think we have to give advice, we have to do coaching, and we don't. Mm. Because listening to someone in that manner is the biggest gift you can give anyone. Go home and try it.
0: That's beautiful. <clears throat> and, and do you know what's so funny? It did, there's two old sayings that my grandma used to say a lot of the time. That i use to describe those two things james you've got two ears and one mouth yes so work out which one you should use more <laughs> no, no. okay thanks grandma and as a kid never really understood it
1: i right, should always
0: say james walk a mile in that man's shoes before you say something about him
1: yes so so humanity has known these things for thousands of years yeah. and now we you know, we have to validate it with research, otherwise it's not true. Mm. So, so Amy Edmondson's discovery of psychological safety, first of all, that term has been around forever. Yeah. And she decided that she was going to figure, uh, and that this was her genius, you know, how do I validate this so that I can convince the marketplace that, that, that this is important? It's like me. I am trying to convince the marketplace that relationships and the ability to build those relationships is a key leadership responsibility. Mm -hmm. If that isn't at the top of your list, you're not doing your job. If you don't understand why, you're not going to be capable of really leading your organization to high performance. They Mm -hmm. just don't go together. Just with the two that I gave you, listening and empathy. If a leader doesn't listen to people, he or she doesn't know what's going on. He or she misses out on a lot of innovation, ideas. Uh, He or she doesn't develop trust so that when you say something, people will believe you and act on it. And you're sitting there wondering, you know, uh, why is everyone ignoring me? I don't understand. Mm. And safety professionals have the exact same issues. Mm. I talked to one for my book. I interviewed him because he was pointing pointed out as very successful. Oh, no, I lie. The way I met him was on LinkedIn because I had posted something, and then he corrected me. I learned almost everything from the people that I learned Everything in my book, I learned from listening to people. So I, he, I asked him, I said, well, can I interview you to find out how you got to this point? Um, and he said, yes. Turns out his father was an electrician in the same plant where he was now working. And he had retired, but when he would come home, he would always complain about the safety guys, that they were always telling him how to do his job when they had never done it and they'd never been out there. Yeah. All right, so this this would have been in the 80s that this was happening to him. Yeah. All right, and so then when his son um, got older, he decided to become an engineer, and a safety engineer. And he came back to work at the very same plant. And because he had listened to his father he went out his first day and he began asking, saying to people, I knew, I don't know anything. Could you tell me how this works? Yeah. And that, that's where he started. And he said, you know, when I would ask people for something or to do something, they'd go absolutely and I would get it right away. When anybody else asked them, it's like fill out these forms and triplicate. Mm. <laughs> That's where bureaucracy comes from, James. Mm. It comes from lack of trust and yeah. lack of relationship. Yeah. So when you talk about decluttering safety, you're overlooking the biggest
0: Key obstacle
1: to decluttering, mm. lack of trust.
0: Mm. Oh, wow. I, th- I feel like, th- that was a lovely story. Like, I love that, that story is lovely like that that he kind of so many people would have listened to their dad moan about safety for all of those years and just gone I never want to be a safety professional ever but the fact that he went I'm gonna be a safety professional and do it better that's so profound that's like borderline beautiful <laughs> like that's just absolutely amazing i love that that person did that do you think like what this there's something that kind of n- that niggles on on me which is kind of which is where i think where we will end up going with this conversation anyway um is it when when a lot of people talk about these kind of so-called soft skills like they always caveat it with well what well, the soft skill the the, the technical skills are you know important and we need to have them and 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 you know but but then we can talk about the soft skills and it seems to be like this question of which is more important which comes first and and maybe the question is should one be more important than the other that that's a valid question should we pitch them personally i think that you know i've had all of this technical training in my career i've been doing this 10 years And I feel like the two things that I fall back on all the time is those two things that you've just spoken about is listening to people and and trying to understand what their challenges are, which is listening and empathy, 100%. So I feel like Rose, I don't know what your opinion is. I feel like actually we shouldn't be caveat in what we're saying and saying, well, you know, technical skills are really important because actually is it like, I feel like if you don't have those soft skills, then all those technical skills come to nothing. I don't know what your opinion is.
1: Yeah, you, know, you lead with the soft skills in order to use your technical skills. Because if you don't have that relationship, it, it's rare that someone will listen to you. Mm. It's like a, um, I don't know, block. I guess your your brain goes into. That, over, uh, that overload mode where I was talking about how you're not listening because of all the chatter in your head. Oh, yeah. this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, you know, he's just got here. Um, and I, I still remember when you didn't say good morning to me, you know, last month. <laughs> this is all going on here, okay? Yeah. And, and they're not listening. They can't really hear you in a way where they would actually begin to incorporate that into yeah. into their work. So yeah, you have to leave with social. I have to caveat all the time because I feel if I don't caveat, they won't let me finish my sentence.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. What what makes you feel like that though? Like what, or what, get why wouldn't they let you
1: reactions? It? Why do we have to polarize? Why do we have to create a false dichotomy? Mm. Um, they, they work together. They work in tandem. They're equal.
0: Are they? But they're they're
1: they're not they're they're not equal because it depends on where you what stage you're at, right? If you're in a crisis because there's been you know some accident you're going to go into mode to take care, you know, do the things that you have to do to handle the emergency. Right. Uh, And your soft, your um, relational skills, uh, it's too late to put those into place because you're (laughs) in the moment. Right. But if you have them already in place, things operate so much better because you do have them in place. in in daily life uh what is this what is the safety professional's role what what is a safety professional's main purpose ask yourself that
0: i think i think that's a massive question i think Mm -hmm. that is a simple question well you know if you went and asked I don't know, you're an engineer for this machine, what's your role? They could quite easily turn around and tell you what their role is. I think a safety professional role is going through a huge identity crisis. I think even in what I've been doing for the last 10 years in safety, I think what I do in safety now is Mm -hmm. unbelievably different to what I did back then uh, when I started. So for me, I think you hit the nail on the head Early on in in what you were talking about, when you called them in influencing skills, I think what we're trying to do is influence. We are kind of internal influencers um, of the workforce and the leadership to create safety within the business. If I was going to try and pull it off the top of my head, maybe maybe that was it. And and I use the word safety as a collective term for health as well uh, and, and mental health. So that that yeah, I, I would say that how I would perceive my role.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a great crisis of identity. Mm. Not, uh, so perhaps there's going to be a, a division. People will choose different paths in safety because not everybody wants to be a leader. Not everybody wants to learn the psychological principles mm. at play not everyone wants to learn how to become a first-class listener yeah so you you're creating a divide in that way
0: and I think I think that's a good thing Rosa like I've, I've literally just did a video on this a couple of weeks ago uh, months ago called this why the safety profession is doomed to fail now the title was provocative for a reason um, I don't actually think we're doomed to fail but um, and I said the same thing. And I feel like we need to split our profession into safety specialists of, of specific areas. So, like, to use your phrase, like safety relational, relational kind of, you know, the, the cultural people kind of side of things, the engineer that really loves the nitty gritty of like understanding the chemicals or the machine, you know, through technical people. And then maybe like a compliance slash legal. Uh, person that really focuses on the law and understands the case studies and understands the systems like ISOs and and, and auditing and things like that. I feel like our profession breaks into those three areas, cultural and people, technical and engineering and and, um, compliance and uh, yeah, compliance with systems and, and legislation. And there are, and I think because those three roles are actually, they require different types of people. Because I'm definitely in the people, culture side of things. I love that stuff. I have a passion for it. And that's my style. So actually, I have less of a passion for the technical and the compliance side of things. Therefore, I kind of put less effort into them. Because they don't fit my personal style. Yes. Which well, is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So I agree with what you're saying there. So in, well, in so that, what, Go on.
1: Sorry. What? So does... Would if you were going to go into the social psychological side of safety, what technical skills would you need to be successful as a safety professional?
0: What are we what 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 do you kind of when you say technical skills, what does well, technical skills you would skills have to do? tell
1: me because we're always saying the technical skills are equally important to the social skills. So what are these technical skills that are equally important?
0: Well, that's what I mean. That, and that's my point. I think when you separate them out, I think that a technical skill for somebody who, if let's assume we were operating in that three specialist model, right? If you're in that people slash culture side, the technical skills are actually going to be probably what we would call the soft skills now, like the more being able to be empathetic, realist, really active listening, um, you know, good conversation let's say, a good open questions and you know a bit more of a coach kind of like a the skills the technical skills that a therapist might have maybe a bit more like that uh, maybe a bit more academic based i don't know um, some more sociology psychology you go into the technical skills of that engineering role that's going to be more mechanical you know chemical maybe scientific and then the other side will be the compliance one will be more legal and systems based. So I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm oversimplifying something that, that is quite complex. Well, I, I,
1: I don't think uh, just from personal experience, because my field of OD is, is similar in so many ways uh, because, uh, but I have to have technical some technical understanding in order to help a client because if they're explaining a problem to me, how am i going to understand the problem if i don't understand the business Mm. or the um you know the type of equipment that they're working on Uh, there's a there is specific knowledge the hazards right Uh, they're coming to you uh from because there's hazards do you have some responsibility to be able to guide them in the right direction
0: you could you could say that you would have the same. So, what if you were like a what if you were like a consultant then that right. that your customer employs you to work in an industry that you've never worked in before? That
1: that doesn't happen because that's they, when they hire you. They always want to know how what who you worked with and what and if you've ever worked in their industry. It's it's very seldom that you get hired into an industry you've never worked in before.
0: Is, is that a good thing? Like, so do, do you lack kind of cognitive diversity then? Like there are there are kind of, um, there, there might be an I So I've got quite a diverse background. I've started in manufacturing, worked in healthcare and housing and now work in manufacturing slash construction. And there are ideas that I come across or approaches or theories that I found in healthcare that actually I could now apply into manufacturing. So is, is that a good thing? Like... Do, do I have to know if I, if I'm a good listener and actually, you know, I have those two skills down, I'm playing devil's advocate on, on, no, on, course, on purpose good. here, but mm-hmm. it kind of, if I'm a good listener, I'm, I'm, you know, very empathetic and I'm good at listening and understanding what your challenges are. And then I'm good at facilitating the conversation with the right experts in the room, the technical expert. Do I, do I actually need to understand the technical aspects of their role? If I'm in that type of role,
1: uh, it's helpful. I, I've I've seen in, in my line of work I've seen um, people that see I'm completely relational skills, and that goes across across the board. But if I'm if I hadn't worked, you know, all those years it's decades. In, uh, in manufacturing, oil and gas, um, I, I've never, I haven't done a lot of work in healthcare, um, I, uh, the electrical utilities, then I wouldn't have any credibility because, well, for one, because you wouldn't really know what's going on, right? I mean, you, you. Uh, when I go into a new organization, as I said, I don't have to do the safety culture assessment because a few questions are going to reveal pretty much the condition of of that culture. And that's because of all my experience that I've had. So I think, uh, well, I mean, to be practical, probably a safety professional would have to have some area of technical expertise uh, and in order to get in the door, and then yeah. as you begin to uh, to expand, then uh, I mean, you already have worked in enough industries to have a lot of credibility.
0: <laughs> you haven't spoke to the people that employed me in those industries. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I th- I think that this is kind of fascinating. This point we we've kind of stumbled onto. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like, so, you know, you've worked in oil and gas and manufacturing, for example, haven't worked in healthcare, but I I don't think that devalues your credibility to be able to work in healthcare. So say, for example, a CEO from the NHS reads your book tomorrow, and then they go, oh God, I absolutely love what Rosa's talking about. Rosa, please come and do what you do in healthcare. Do you think that you would struggle to do What you need to do in healthcare, then, because you don't have that much experience, it might be a little bit. I had that experience
1: recently. I had that experience. I was asked to come in, and I didn't have a clue about doctors. That was that was really difficult. And could you still? It was not good.
0: Could you still achieve what you were trying to do? But maybe it was take longer. You you don't think you could achieve it at all?
1: Well. I I didn't I didn't last two hours with them, right? Because I didn't speak their language. Doctors are very um, you know hierarchical. Yeah, and if you're not a doctor yourself, it's it's very hard for them to listen to you.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: So you can the CEO can love you, but that's not going to mean that anybody else is going to listen to you, because you you really have to build those relationships. Uh, and, and one of the best ways is to go in there and say, hey, uh, you know, I've seen this kind of stuff happen. It, does that happen here? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you start to build that. Well, she really does understand. She really knows. She understands what's going on. Now, the nurses are different than the doctors. Nurses were much uh, more attentive. Um, I guess the less power you have,
0: uh, the more you can learn hmm. yeah that's interesting that's a really interesting point you're definitely right doctors are very hierarchical in my experience as well that seems that's uh that must be a, a kind of that, that that applies across the pond as well is, is what i'm trying to say that's the same over here as well um, <clears throat> it's an interesting point i kind of blown my mind a little bit to to what you're you're kind of talking about because I I personally believe that actually there is a huge value in, in actually, I I think a base, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if somebody was like a more people, social focused safety professional, they, they should have no understanding or no traditional kind of understanding of safety. I think that would be stupid. You're still working in that safety field. So a base level of understanding of risk yeah. assessment the legislation 100 percent. but i'm not sure i agree on the point that somebody couldn't work in an industry because they'd never worked there before because I, I i actually think that brings a benefit and i think that if you're if you're good at building relationships and listening to people it won't take you long to actually start to understand the thing that that challenge that challenges them if you're well it it, it is
1: dependent on the individual as well but i think when you're when you're young entering the workforce people don't expect you to have the experience Mm. and so there's there's a it fits in the culture to have you there Mm. because you're new now we can raise them the way we want him you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we like new people because they're not resistant. Young people, they're not resistant. Mm. Or but when, when you, what about your friends who are trying to find jobs? A lot of times, you know, they're looking for very specific types of experience in order to hire you, aren't they?
0: Well, yeah, but yeah, they are. Um, but, but my, I suppose my challenge is who says that's right? Oh,
1: no, no, I'm just talking about reality. Now, what's right is a completely different conversation. I was just, I'm talking about reality. And the other thing that you have to keep in mind, James, is that I'm a woman of color and I'm older. So I have three points against me in terms of communicating with certain groups of people. Yeah. Because they judge you within the first few seconds by your appearance. Yeah. and then it's downhill from
0: there yeah so you've already got those challenges so why throw why throw a, a, a lack of experience of that industry in there as well <laughs> I suppose yeah I can see your point I didn't think of it like that I, I see where you're coming at this right I think I think we were coming at the same problem but from different points of view yeah I think I see where I see where you're going with it now yeah, Yeah, and
1: also I'm not saying you can't. In in other words, as a consultant, I can go into a new industry subcontracting to one that is experienced. And that's a great way to get to an industry Mm -hmm. is a a colleague brings you in to help them on a project. Yeah, And you become, the more you do that, the more acquainted you get with the industry and you can say, okay, I've done all these types of projects, and I understand how they work. Everybody thinks they're unique. Trust
0: me. <laughs> so, on the, on that basis of what we're talking about, then does does every single safety professional need to have good those 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 two good? You know, you you summarise soft skills in those two things. They need to be good listeners. And um, does does that apply to an empathetic? Does that apply to every single safety professional, regarding, no matter where you I, are? I believe sort of so,
1: woman? unless you are an individual contributor who never leaves the office, or yeah. you know you're in a lab working by your, you know, and never talk to anybody, never have to talk to anybody. Let's put it that way, mm. uh, because if you have to collaborate, you need listening and empathy. Actually, they're the, um, the same as, I'm thinking about it now, the social intelligence, uh, the social emotional intelligence
0: skills. Yeah. So do, 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 do we actually, well, let's pose the question and what we were going to talk about, which I think is in, we have been talking about this exact question the whole time, or we haven't said the question. So do safety professionals actually want these skills? Like, I think we talk about them a lot and we see a lot of rhetoric maybe around them. Maybe that's a bit of a strong phrase, but there's a lot of talk, not so much walk. Yeah, well, uh, so far my
1: experience has been that safety professionals like to attend a lot of one hour talks, free, free, <laughs> free. And there's a lot of people offering that topic because psychological safety and the other to- uh, popular topic is inclusion and belonging that, that people are presenting diversity under you know, the umbrella of, of diversity. And of course, those are very much in the people realm. However, I haven't really found uh, that, and again, this is me, that safety professionals are enrolling to learn uh how to build the relationships and and the skills involved in that. So I I question that. But again, it may just be me. Um I'm not going but but that's been my experience that I don't I'm not sure
0: yeah.
1: that that safety professionals I I've been turned down flat by the Association of Safety Professionals here in the United States because they have a list of priorities and that is not anywhere on the list Mm. because they have to teach what people will pay for in order to stay afloat.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's kind of where I'm getting my my information from.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) and It may be different in other countries. Maybe in the UK, people are flocking to uh, such courses.
0: i think there is a bit of a shift here in the uk around it because Mm -hmm. our equivalent of um of the assp um iosh they have added they, they basically if you're a member you have a competency framework and and in that competency framework was traditionally really just only technical skills only technical skills and now there are some of those softer skills to use that phrase in there um and they've increased the size of the wheel and so on and so forth and and now it's gone from like something like 26 skills to now like 70 something skills because they just added all of these soft skills on there for me i just feel like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a there's a bit of a half-assed attempt. It's a bit like a plaster over a, over a bullet wound kind of thing. And that, I think it's a, I think it's a platitude. Like I think you can do that, and that's all. Yeah, we, we're being seen to, um, we're being seen to say that these are the right things to, to do, or at least something we should focus on. But actually, I don't think there's any pathway. If people did want them, I don't think there's any pathway other than experiencing it yourself and actually trying it and trial and error trial and error in your own role to actually get those or achieve those uh kind of skills but then maybe to your point is it because we just we don't want to put that effort in because we just want to go on the hour webinar here and the hour webinar there and and just live on a helicopter view of everything instead of actually instead of actually getting to the nitty gritty of this stuff? Because these are really oh. hard things to achieve, actually, aren't they? To become a good oh, they're, person. Oh, they're very
1: hard. You know? and You know, it, it may be that people don't identify with it. I mean, if you you have to recognize that, that you need it in order to go towards it, right? And, and these things cost money. So you're saying, okay, if, if I'm being asked to learn more about workers' comp, I'm going to go there. And if you look at um, right now, The Art of Work is offering my course that there's going to be a three-hour class in April. Uh, and uh, they send it out to everybody in the Safety Institute of Australia, which I understand has 30,000 members. And last year, two people signed up. Mm. Whereas a class like Sidney Decker or a class on learning teams fills up right away. So they know. Well, Sydney's a case in his own right because he's so charismatic; nobody can compare themselves.
0: Sydney's always a case in his own right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he
1: is. So, I, and I and I I love listening to him. So, people do find value in in certain types of topics. And what I'm saying is that, well, you can learn the mechanics of building a learning team, but if you don't have these relationship building skills it's going to be really hard to build a a high performing team
0: because the fundamentals of a learning team is being able to listen and and put yourselves in their shoes and understand what they're going through surely like i would wholeheartedly agree what you're talking about is those two skills are pretty much the fundamentals of any of sydney's work of any of Eric's work, or, you know Todd's work, and so on and so forth. All of those things, and that's what that keeps bringing. It keep I keep coming back to the same point, in that I, I do I do I keep coming back to the same thing. I think I think we should put one in front of the other, and I think those softer skills should be the priority, in my opinion, um, because I don't think you. It's kind of like building a, a house on the foundations of sand. Mm -hmm. with all of your technical systems and approaches. But actually, if you don't have those relationship skills, then your foundations are going to start to fail, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, whatever intervention you choose, if you don't have the social foundation, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. No matter how good the technology is, you can have... And, you know, we have a lot of technology that just lies around and nobody uses it.
0: So why do you think... Is it just a time thing? Or do you think, do you think it like, like, if you think about like, say you said like Sydney's, Sydney's work is extremely popular. I don't know, I'm going to say like Sydney's been doing this for a long time, but then so have you really. (laughs) So uh, maybe I was going to say, my point was going to be, is it just the fact that we just need to keep talking about this and then eventually people will listen or, but then, you know, you've been talking about this for a, a very long time. So I don't know, is it a time thing? Or what what do you think it is that people are not understanding that these are really bloody important and we need to to do them, we need to focus on them?
1: I wish I had uh, an answer because (laughs) I would solve the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) It strikes me that uh, this has been an issue since time began. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's not a new one. And in fact, when I wrote my book, there's nothing new in that book. There's nothing new because we, um, people in my profession and others, have been talking about these principles uh, for decades, uh, even hundreds of years, some of them. So it's it's a human. I think it's it's human nature, and we tend to evolve, uh, you know, as as a species, as a group. So for example, in the United States, individualism is still very dominant. So relational skills are not at the top of the heap, right? Mm. Uh, The the main skills that everybody's gonna focus on are going to be how to succeed as an individual. Mm. Now, Australia and UK, I expected a a positive response in in terms of my course because if you look on LinkedIn the majority of people that respond to my uh, posts or want to connect with me are from Australia, England and Canada all more collective much more because they you, you have a social web right you to catch people if they're if they're if they they need help whereas in the United States I can I, I every time I hear those senators talk about what a terrible idea it is to, to give somebody money I cringe but I, if I stop and walk a mile in their shoes I realize that that the philosophy they're coming from is that if you give somebody something you're depriving them the opportunity of pride of getting something for themselves. And they believe this so deeply that they will block any any attempt to distribute the wealth. And so far, no luck breaking yeah. that one down.
0: This is really interesting because I think fundamentally that that's kind of the same argument that we have. Between our two main parties, in and this is a very much an oversimplification, and I'm a bit scared of talking about politics, but it's just it's a little bit similar to what we have over here. Like, you got the conservatives or the Tories are very much like, we'll provide you the roots, but you have to earn it. Which some will say a lot of the time that's what that's you know, that's their way of thinking. Well, we've created these roots and we'll help the people that need it. But, but you have to get up and earn it and then you know the labor side will be like much more focused on helping those in need um and 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 giving it you know giving what when we need to give and I, and i think they both do the same thing or very similar but maybe from different ethos. um and I, I may have just completely oversimplified uk politics but is interesting. Well,
1: I'm sure I did, too. (laughs) You're talking about the two polar extremes, right?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Our our progressive party thinks that the Democrats are are sissies, you know, they're not giving away nearly enough money. Mm. (laughs) And the Republicans think the Democrats are ruining the country, putting us into debt. Mm. But anyway, that's not our topic of discussion. But it is a cultural context for relational skills.
0: Well, and that that was actually when I was just about to, when when you said, oh, that's not the topic of our conversation. I was actually going to say, well, actually, it influences it. So like politics, society, where we're from, our culture within our, Mm -hmm. our street that we were raised on and so forth. It really does impact us a lot more than what we think, which brings to your earlier point in understanding that there isn't that much of a separation between professional life, personal life. There is none. And that we Mm -hmm. actually, I think, and this is what makes a safety profession so damn complex is because actually what we're trying to do is solve the problem of people, which is just crazy. You know, like another saying my grandma used to say, there ain't now as strange as folk. Do you know what i mean it's, uh, it's such an english phrase but you know there is nothing more strange than people and it's so true we're so complex and um, uh, we're trying to solve so that problem within the workplace how can we get a workplace to be ergonomic to the the human yeah. which each individual human is complex
1: and think about this so you're you're you've been trained on ergonomics and all of you know what needs to be done, the equipment, and you have your training. And then people don't use the what they what they've been taught. They may even misuse the equipment because you didn't go the other step, which is the building of the relationship of trust. That what you're doing is is actually going to be helpful to them. And that's presuming that you went through the usual thing of you know getting people's input and you know before Mm. you purchase the equipment and all of that but what i always hear after something's been implemented then they bring me in and everybody's complaining you know they 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 never if they had asked me i would have told them this was going to go wrong you know yeah and then so then i talk to hr and they say oh my god we asked till we were blue in the face (laughs) i don't know what they want i don't know what they want okay uh it's because you don't have a relationship with them so Mm. they don't feel you heard them uh they it, it didn't everything that you did to lay the foundation just didn't work because you did not have that relationship it's not uh, easily accepted because it's a lot of work. Actually, you know what? I'm saying it's a lot of work, but when you've done it, your work becomes so easy, like that story of the um, safety engineer that I told you. He would get everything he needed right away, and his work was so easy because people collaborated and they helped him and supported him. But you have to be willing to be humble and come in at the person's level and build that relationship
0: how, how much of this do you think is is kind of from from fear of do you know what i mean like we've gone so far like you know if you're if you're a company that's like very much you know you don't listen to the work or the kind of the senior leadership team if you want to call them that Um, you know it's their way or the highway they know better and so on and so forth they don't listen to the workers they don't have relationship and but but then they're like oh yeah do you know what actually they have you know just a kind of glass smash moment they're like Jesus maybe I should start listening to the workers Rosa's got a great point I should really start to solve all my problems by listening to everybody in the workforce how much of it do you think is kind of maybe it's like God, yeah, but if I go down to the workforce and say, just using an example that from like the new view safety, where they might say, just go down to the workforce and say, what's challenging? What makes your job harder? Which is a great question. How can I help you succeed at work? How much of it is like the amount of work that's going to come off such an open question like that? is maybe a little bit of fear of not, they don't want to open that can of worms and just rather be beautifully naive.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, the fear of not being able to meet expectations and also the fear of taking on more work because your plate is already full. So why am I going to go out there and raise false expectations?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah so that particular manager has to realize that his job is to listen and maybe a better question is you know tell me about how you do the work Mm. and then you know and then ask questions as opposed to going out and asking such a broad question and i i can think of ceos Uh, that they respond to every single comment that an employee sends them. Mm. And so they end up with like 1,500 a day Mm. (laughs) because the more you respond, the more
0: you get back, yeah.
1: The more you're going to get back. Mm. So it it is very real that as you begin to go out there and you begin to interact with people, you're going to get, more and more feedback so you need to be prepared to set up a system to support that Mm. so that you're not doing it all by yourself it's it's not something one person can do
0: how how do you short of um just kind of try and tie this all in a loop like short of going in on your course which we'll talk about in a moment but like is, is there something that people can start to do tomorrow do you think like they've listened to this and they go do you know what tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to focus on building them two skills. I want to be a better listener and I want to be more empathetic. Like, is it as simple as just going out on the shop floor and really start to listen to people and try and, you know, like you say, quiet your mind a little bit um, to use a kind of Star Wars Jedi phrase and, uh, and and then be a bit more empathetic? Is that, you could just go and just start trying it tomorrow or is there something they need to work on first, you think?
1: no i think you you get better as as you practice so go out and practice and don't criticize yourself because it's very hard to turn off the mind so you know those thoughts are going to come in uh, just let them go uh, and go back to listening and if you miss something oh i missed could you repeat that again about don't be embarrassed to ask people to repeat something if you blanked out which I do <laughs> from time to time you know suddenly my mind's not there the overall purpose though is to go out and find a way to be helpful mm-hmm. because being helpful to, to them is going to build that trust in that relationship
0: yeah.
1: and the way you can be helpful is by listening empathizing And inquiry, which is another um, skill. Asking the questions. And then if you can help them do it, respond to them. Every time you do that, you're putting credits in the bank.
0: Mm. What would you kind of say to someone that maybe was thinking, oh, I really, really love this and I want to do it, but I'm actually a little bit maybe scared, like they're, they're, maybe they're in that culture where they're perceived as that the person that's always got the answers or they're the police officer or maybe maybe you know the workforce are a little bit scared of the safety profession which i've seen uh, you know i've seen that in my own career like what would your kind of advice be there is to kind of they've got maybe a really i don't i don't want to kind of put a quantitative on it like good and bad but like you know a a more traditional kind of enforcing focus on on their culture and they want to shift over to that but they're like oh god do I really want to just go out on the shop floor tomorrow and start you know inquiring and listening and being empathetic like what would you kind of say to someone like who's thinking that
1: well you could start on a much simpler level every time you pass someone say their name and good morning or hello.
0: Love that. Learn
1: something about them personally, their family. Then the, the fastest way to someone's heart is to find something that they do well, that they know about. Say, hey, you know, I'm really impressed with how much you know about such and such. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that works? So so you're getting to know the person. You can't you can't go to your point, you can't go from zero to sixty in one second.
0: Mm.
1: You uh, if you don't have any relationship at all, you, you have to go back to the basics, I love which that. is finding saying hello, <laughs> finding how'd your weekend go? Mm. Hey, we could do fun this weekend. B-
0: building a relationship. That's, that's exactly. all you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. No, I love that, Rosa. That's amazing. Oh what a great conversation that was a great I love that you can just kind of you know start becoming a better safety professional tomorrow by just saying hello Rosa how are you and how was your weekend yes start building a relationship what a simple way to I love that just be a nice person Be
1: uh
0: notice other people
1: we we crave that belonging and recognition even if we Think we don't oh i don't need that <clears throat> but we crave it so when you start using people's names you look them in the eye you say hello there's a little bit of dopamine that goes off and that gets associated with you oh this yeah. person
0: and i love what you're saying about moment. Yeah and I love what you're saying about like find something they're good at as well I think as safety yeah. professionals mm-hmm. we can be so ingrained to look for what's wrong and that's mm-hmm. what I find it really attractive about like this kind of new view way of looking at safety if you want to label it mm-hmm. but <clears throat> like that presence of positives I think it's so powerful as a safety professional to be able to you know, go on the shop floor and see somebody lifting something with the you know, a more ergonomic technique and you go over and give them a, you know, a shake the hand and say, oh, that was really good, mate. And that, that kind of celebrate that positive reinforcement in a way, I think we can be so ingrained to just spot negatives all the time. That's wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. But actually to go into a workplace and just say, do you know what, Rosie, you're so good at that. Like, that's really good. Can you kind of show me how to get good at, you know, that good at that and just kind of, yeah, build relationships like you say well I uh, like what we're doing right
1: now we're building a relationship and you're asking me questions because you want to learn from me mm. uh, and so that makes me feel recognized and I say oh maybe I'll write another book
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it helps you with any imposter syndrome you might have maybe I actually do know what I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> well I know something. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Rosa, should we tie it in, in a loop and you can kind of just say, um, maybe tell us about that course you're doing with with Out of Work and, and any other work you've got going on and, and how people can kind of get involved with you um, if they kind of like what they've heard today.
1: Well, yes, um, I'm doing a course, a three-hour workshop masterclass with the Art of Work. And it's going to be focused on the relational skills to give you enough to go back to work and get, get it started. And then if you want to learn more, there's going to be three uh, a series of three masterclasses that, where you can get more in-depth. And the goal there is going to be to be able to then teach other people in your organization that are interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't write down exactly the date. Uh, so, can I send you the link? It is mid April. Mid-April.
0: Yeah, we will um, put the link in the in the show notes uh, for everyone. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, yeah, I do have my um, book, book, the relationship safety. I mean, the relationship factor in safety leadership. Which, uh, if you want, it's full of very specific tips yeah we'll um,
0: link and, that and, in the uh, mm-hmm. we'll link that in the show notes as well how, how long when did that book come out rosa it's quite new isn't it
1: yeah it came out uh in the beginning of 2020 january
0: mm, yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: cool no that's good we'll i'd love to get
1: out. it into i'd love to get it into um the universities and colleges yeah. that's what i'm working
0: on now well, I, um, I, I run a little, uh, membership community for safety professionals in my spare time. And, uh, wow. we run, we run a book club, uh, in that, in that community project Meletium. and, uh, I'll have a look at your, uh, at your book and talk to my business partner and we'll probably add that to the list of books in our, in our book club. Yeah. Anymore. Well, let
1: me know, because you, if you buy, um, a group of them you get a lower price.
0: I should definitely do that. Yeah. Keep that in mind. See if we can get a, a group deal there. That'd be amazing. Um, okay. Rosa, if anyone wants to kind of, you, do you still run your, your, your consultancy still up and running now, is it? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, so it's all virtual work.
1: so far, but I've been doing a lot of um, keynotes presentations uh, for companies. And uh, once COVID ends, uh, we will go, I'll be able to go back to you know team building and, doing uh in-house consulting but for yes. now it, the virtual seems to be working very well
0: awesome and if people wanted to work with you that listen to this how, how would they go about doing that, that well
1: i you? do have a website uh very simple career you can contact me through there or um we'll put my email address in the link as well
0: yeah you can do that Nice one. We'll put all of that in the, in the show notes. Hopefully people are going to check you out buy your book or come along to one of the courses as well. We've had the uh, Kelvin Genn, who runs out uh, of work on the podcast as well. So Kelvin Gen and Rosa Carrillo together forming a, a dangerous power party. It sounds like. I mean, oh, oh that session
1: us. is on April 1st. So look on LinkedIn. Um, I, I posted uh, the um, link to register. Yeah. So it, because you probably won't be able to hear it live. You'll, you'll watch the recording.
0: Yeah. yeah She'll definitely. be great. Nice one. Well, thank you very much for your time, Rose. That was an amazing chat. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you. You were an amazing interviewer, James.
0: And <laughs> thank you. I look
1: forward to more conversations.
0: Definitely. Okay, peeps. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Next week, I'll be reflecting on it, some behind the scenes, some of my thoughts and comments on some of the things we discussed so we can get even more in depth onto, into, sorry, that conversation. But for the time being, that's enough for me. Don't forget to go check out our website, www.rebrandsafety.com. And don't forget to check out Project Meletium at www.projectmiletium.com if you want to stand out from the rest of the crowd, if you want to Get your learning and development and your growth as a professional up the wazoo, get it into Sixth Gear, then that's the place for you to go check that out. And uh, if you want to try it out for free, drop me a DM and I'll get you on one of our sessions for free. Okay, beeps. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies.